Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. Do you guys like pop quizzes? I love pop quizzes. Do you? Yeah. you? I have one today for everyone. All right. But do you want to do it just so everyone can see what you do and don't know? Bring it. How I are want you? to see what I'll I do, do and don't know. Okay. So no slides, no nothing yet. Just stay here. Okay, question. This is a pop quiz for everybody. In the game of Monopoly, well, I got I'm, this. just so you know, I'm this. 22 years Monopoly sober. That. Was that because of me? True story. No, no. Uh, it actually almost broke up my relationship with my wife while we were still wow. dating. So I've thought about getting a little pendant with a car or a cannon on it, but I quit playing 22 years ago. So I might be a rusty on this one. Give it. Here's the funny thing is I actually tried out for the Monopoly World Championship. Yeah. That, that is true. That's how much I could beat anybody in Monopoly here. Okay. Just so you know. And by the way, that's me humbly saying it because I'm a pastor. But like, seriously, Gosh. I can beat you. So, yeah. okay. But let's give it a go. Let's okay. go. Monopoly guy. Yes. Did he have a monocle? Yes or no? No. Who says yes? You're all wrong. Okay. Right? Who says no? That is, f okay. Okay. Can we go almost 50-50? Because let's be honest, about 25% didn't have the is guts this to the answer. the Mandela effect we're going... Oh, sorry, did I ruin it because I know too much? Yes, you know too much. I'm sorry. Yes, we're talking about the Mandela effect. We'll get back to that in a second. Question, is it cheese it or cheese its? It's. It's with an S? How many say with an S? With an S. With a dash. How many say no S? Okay, I need the S's. How many say S? Okay, so you're an S, you're not an S. Yeah, no. No, Jesus. okay. No S. How many remember eating Jiffy peanut butter? Okay, how many have never had Jiffy peanut butter? Here's a question. The wrong store. Did Jiffy peanut butter ever exist? Mm -mm. Yeah, we got yes. This is, God, this is awesome. No. I couldn't have had this set up any better. Okay, final question. And by the way, we... Did you know that when Mr. Peanut left the house that morning, he said to his wife, I'll be back in a Jiff? No. Leave now. No. Exit it's stage not getting right. No. Yeah, so, okay, final question. The original recording, by the way, we cannot sing it. Hey, thanks, Facebook, <laughs> social media that supports free communication. There we go. And Can't so, um, okay, in the famous song Queen, which some of you haven't heard because you're Christians, but the rest of us have. Okay, <laughs> we are the champions. Yeah. The, the band Queen, we are the champions. What are the last words of that song? In the original recording, we are the champions. Mm -hmm. So the final words is, we are the champions of the world. Yes? How many say no? How many are still singing it? Yeah, not me. That would be me. Yeah, did you see him over here? Don't you love watching people process? This, was, this was crazy karaoke in my head for a second. Okay. It worked out. I say no. So the final, you say no? In the original Not, recording. In the original recording. Yeah. In but, the live, people shouted it. But. Okay. Perfect. Hey, guys, thanks. Thank great, you. Great way to set it up for the sermon. They want to know. Oh, do, oh, you guys want the information behind it. Well, here's the thing. 
Dallas actually named. By the way, for those who are listening online post, Dallas and Tuan were who, who you were hearing, and I appreciate you listening to our podcast. So here, here's the thing. It is actually called the Mandela Effect, and it's a situation where a mass group of people believe something even though it never happened. And it happened because, in, ready for this, 2009, Fiona Broom, she discovered that her, along with a lot of her friends, believed that Nelson Mandela died in the 1980s when he was in prison, although all of us know that he did not die until 2013, if I remember correctly, yes. And so the Mandela effect is something that we all, can I say, suffer with today. So when it comes to Monopoly Guy, he does not have a monocle when it comes to his eye. Now, you can find the drawings, but if you look at the original game, he never had it. When it came to Cheese It, there is no S on Cheese It's. Ha <laughs> ha, love it. Ready for this? For all of you that grew up eating Jiffy peanut butter? No, you didn't. You grew up eating Jiff peanut butter. But everyone remembers it as Jiffy. But it's not, it's Jiff. And when it comes to Queen, we are the champions. We are the champions. Nope. It is not in the original recording. Dallas was correct. It was because of a concert that uh, Queen was singing at. And at the end, there's a long pause. He decides to say it, but it has now gone down as the end of the song is we are champions. We are the champions of the world. And it's this Mandela effect. And here's the thing. It's not just happened in pop culture. I believe that happens with the Bible too, right? Because how many times have ever heard the phrase, Thou sh hey, you're a Christian, you shouldn't judge. How many have ever heard that before? We're going to talk about it, you know? Because just so you know, I have a daughter. And at some point, if a boy pulls up in a, 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 I'll just, a pimped out ride and he comes walking up, smelling like smoke, clothes hanging off, tattoos, earrings hanging out, and he goes, what's up, bro? I'm here for your daughter. No, he's not. <laughs> Am I wrong? You know why? Because I judged you. From the car, the street, to here. So we're going to talk about it. How many have ever heard the phrase, God won't give me more than I can handle? Yeah, really tell Noah that. <laughs> tell Moses that. We're going to talk about it. But here's the thing. These are common things of people all the time. And how many of you have, ever, ever heard, have heard this one? Money is the root of all evil, right? So here's one of the things. When I go to start studying, I'll type in like what I'm looking for. And as I'm looking for it, every once in a while, I'll click on images, because I'm just curious like what pops up. And when I typed in money is the root of evil, I clicked on images, look what showed up. It was a tip jar at a local restaurant. Look what showed up. Hey, look what showed up. It was a tip jar at a local restaurant and it said, money is the root of all evil, cleanse yourself here. Which, by the way, fantastic. And I, just so you know, I didn't have to search for that one. The first 20 photos were things like this. And so many of us go, yeah, money is the root of all evil. But the fact is, I'm, the Bible never actually said that. The Bible actually never said not to judge. The Bible never actually, the Bible doesn't say it. But somehow this Mandela effects happens to all of us, right? Because, well, there's a belief system that Christianity should be separate from the state. By the way, the funny thing is, 
The Bible nor the Constitution actually says it. And all of our worldviews are going to affect something. So if you don't have a worldview, that's the one we want in politics? No. We want a biblical worldview in the church. Everyone say amen on that one, right? We want biblical worldviews in our houses. We want it in the courthouse. We want it in the White House. Because someone worldview is going to work. But the problem is if we think ourselves, well, this is just what it says, well, maybe it doesn't. So when it comes, we're going to actually talk about money for a little bit today, but you, I'm not actually talking about money, but it's got to be the subject that we do talk about. When it comes to money, let me ask you this question. By the way, it's the same type of setup question all these other ones were. When it comes to money, would you say this? If you had a little bit more, life would be better. Oh, you know what? Let's not do the raise of hands on that one. That one, that, right. I just said how many would sit here and go, man, if I had just a little bit more, that would be better? And by the way, I'm, this is a setup question, so don't answer it unless you know what your answer is. And so where we get the, the, in uh, 1 Timothy 6.10, this is where we always get the scripture from that many people misquote, that let's look at what it actually says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, for the, say that four-letter L word with me, for the love of money is, uh, is the, oh, it's a root of all. By the way, here's what the Bible's saying. Hey, be careful. Money could be an issue for you. Not the issue. It could be a issue. And by the way, money itself isn't going to be a problem. It's when it turns to the deepest part of our affection being that we love it. Which, by the way, I have a habit that I practice. You may want to consider doing it. I never use the word love outside of people and God. You will not hear me say, I love this chocolate dessert. It borderlines it. No, it's, it's bumping. You won't hear me say, well, I love that car and I love that. I just, I refuse to allow that word to be used for something outside of the context of God and people. And so for me, that's just a personal decision. So how do you know if you love money or not? Here we go. Ecclesiastes 5.10. We're going to go to the smartest man who ever lived, King, uh, King Solomon. He said this, Whatever, whoever loves money never has enough. So you remember that question? Would a little bit more be better? There's your kind of setup. So whoever loves money never has enough, but whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with their income. So the setup question is, a little bit money, more money would make life easier. If you're saying, yes, that's me, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more, but can I tell you, a little bit more is never enough because you always need a little bit more. And here's how I personally can prove it. When David and Cammy were by ourselves, all we needed was a little bit more money and we would have been happy until we had four kids. A little bit is no longer enough. And then if you're like, which by the way, if you're sitting here today and you're like, I know kids are expensive, we're going to wait to have them when we can afford them, you'll never afford them, okay? The second thing that I'd like to say to everybody, which might, be, which might be the most controversial thing that I say today, if you want to understand what great wealth is, have kids. I am sorry that in today's society, it has been pitched to everyone that you need to start your career before your family. The most satisfying thing that you will ever have in your life is your kids. When, you're, um, when one of your kids last night 
your wife and I, we came home from a wedding. So like we were planning on, you know, just watching TV and doing after wedding stuff. And one of our kids decided, hey guys, just move on. Just move on. Be with me here. <laughs> Notice I'm not making eye contact with everybody, but the, there's a rule. Married people know it. Like birthdays and weddings, there's just rules that, you, that, that belong there. But when your kids want to lay in your bed with you and watch TV and talk and debrief about the day, it's amazing how fulfilling life can be. So if you want a fulfilled life, I, I hope everyone hears, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but controversial sake, have babies. That is what followers of Christ do. We have kids and we raise them up with a godly and biblical worldview in order for them to continue to walk in their faith into another generation beyond us. It is the most fulfilling thing. But if you need a little bit more money, you need a little bit more money, that may be an identifier for where you are in your spiritual life. Now, right now, there's someone in here going, wow, we just got done with At The Movies, and the first thing we're going to talk about money is. No, we're not talking about money today. Money is the topic, but that's not the root of what we're talking about. When you see here that Paul wrote this to 1 Timothy, you need to know this, Paul wrote two pastoral letters. Now, here's how you would say it kind of in the biblical terms, two pastoral epistles. He had two sons, one being Timothy, one being Titus. Neither of them were biological kids, but they were both sons of his in the faith. So we actually are seeing that Paul is writing to his sons and he's warning them of this thing that's going to pull them away from their faith. And if you look at it in 1 Timothy 6.11, he says to them, but you, man of God, so Paul is writing to Timothy, and we know this because it has Timothy's name on it. He goes, flee from all of this. All of what? We're going to talk more about it in detail, but I'll say this. It's all these trappings of life that are shiny, new, big, and fantastic that you think are the most important. And Paul's saying, flee, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue endurance, pursue gentleness. Today's conversation is not one on money. Today's conversation is on godliness. And by the way, if you want to be punched in the mouth, godliness is the last thing you would pick. It would be easier to preach on money. But godliness is going to talk about your holiness. It's going to talk about your lifestyle. It's going to talk about your mentality. Because if you say, well, uh, you know, when it comes to my lifestyle, my mentality, what do you mean? In Proverbs 10.22, and this is out of the New King James Version, it says this, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the man of the Lord makes one rich. So the, if you want to know what richness is life is all about, that comes from the blessing of the Lord. And ready for this? And he adds no sorrow to it. So let's talk about if you're pursuing the right type of riches or the wrong. The right type of your riches the more stuff do you have, are you more content or less content now? Here's another way. And by the way, I know that no one's going to be talking back to me now, nor are you going to be raising your hand. I'm fine with it. All right? So here, let me ask you this. Every time you know your bill cycle's coming due, your credit card's coming due, are you looking forward to seeing it or is it full of sorrow of what you're about to see? 
Because if it's full of sorrow with what you're about to see, I'm just letting you know, biblically speaking, it should not bring you sorrow if it's a blessing from God. And I'm like, well, God blessed me with a brand new car. No, he didn't. The loan officer did. And if you're not excited about it, and then you, here's, what you, here's what we do. It's so crazy. Well, if I just had a little bit more that I could afford it, you can't afford your $200 Pinto car payment. Do they make those anymore? We're going with it. But that's the only thing you can afford. If you had more money, do you think your life would be less sorrowful when you had a $2,000 Bentley payment? If I had more, no, God's actually already protecting you by not giving you more. Because if you don't know how to manage 10,000, I guarantee you don't know how to manage 100. And so if your life, when it comes to money, is full of sorrow, can I just let you know, you have not been pursuing Jesus. You haven't been pursuing the things of God. Can you see now how it's not about money? It's about godliness. And God doesn't give you something that brings you sorrow. And so today, you may go, well, that's it. I'm just going to be poor then. Now I'll be godly. Let's talk about it for a second. I need to. Nowhere in the Bible does it say being poor is godly. Ready for this? Nowhere in the Bible does it say being rich is godly. But I can show you this. Places where rich people were really ungodly. Oh, I can also show you rich people who were very godly. I can show you poor people who were very ungodly, and I can show you poor people that were very godly. Okay? So money doesn't dictate if you're holy and you're godly or not. It's what's on the inside and what you view that you're supposed to do. But may I tell you this? I think God, and I don't just say amen for amen's sake. I believe that God wants us to be wealthy. Why? Because wealth equals influence. And influence equals changing of cultures with kingdom worldview. God wants people that he can trust with finances to be able to do something. Now, this is a very awkward spot that I'm in. Because if I go down too far down this road, I'll be accused of being a prosperity preacher. And I'm not. I'm not here to tell you if you name it, you will claim it. But I will tell you this, that God wants you to have it. All you have to do is have an understanding of it. So what is that balance? And here's the good news. Today's sermon isn't about that. So you get to struggle with it on your own. Enjoy that. But I do believe that God wants to pour out wealthy kingdom finances to men and women that understand the purpose of what money is supposed to use for. And it's not to bring sorrow, it is to bring godly wealth. And I so mean it that here's what I'd like to do right now. I'm going to pause. We're, by the way, if you hear me about to pray, most people go, oh, thank God the sermon's done. We're not even halfway, so just stick with me for a minute. If you're here right now and you believe that you've been called by God to have finances to make kingdom impact, I mean this. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all barriers and breakthroughs to occur in your life. 
I pray that whatever understanding that needs to shift so God can see you as a faithful steward, for it to shift in the name of Jesus. I call for your, your, your contracts, your business, your coworkers, those you're trying to partner with. I call for earth to come into alignment with your heavenly kingdom assignment and to release finances onto you right now. I pray for a shift to understand, on, in, inside of you to understand who you are. You are more than enough. You are a conqueror. God can be trusted you. God can give these things to release to you because you will not abuse them, you will not abandon them, and you will not abort them. God is calling you on this day to be a faithful servant, and the shifts that happen here on earth happen now so that heaven's aligned with you. If that is you, you receive that, and I believe that today. And for you, along with all of us, how do we need to make sure that we're aligned with God so that we can have a proper understanding of when it comes to our righteousness, our godliness, our faith, our love, our endurance, our gentleness. So I'm going to give you, ready for this? I never do. Here's your two steps to freedom. Step number one, beware of possession obsession. That's not going to be a phrase I will say a bunch during this sermon because it will tongue-tie me to home and back. Be aware of possession obsession. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness, here it is, with contentment is great gain. So how do we need to, this obsession that we have with more possessions, and that will give me what I need. At some point, contentment needs to be the name of the game. Okay? Because somehow with me, and, and I know I've shared this example before, but I have an old Honda Odyssey minivan. The horn doesn't work. If you open the wrong door, the door falls off. Like, it's just a piece of junk. But you know what it does? It's paid for and it runs. What more do I need? Now, am I thrilled to get into a funeral line and be the second person? And you, you got a Cadillac there. And the Cadillac's a hearse. Like, I mean, the, a dead car is better than my car. And there's one behind me. Like, maybe not the ideal but you know the only person that has to struggle with that belief system is me. I'm the only one. And if I'm content, you know why I'm content? I'm content because my kids have clothes, my kids have food, my kids have education, my kids have a mom and dad. That, if they didn't have that, I wouldn't be content. But everything else, it doesn't matter. So when it comes to your obsession, at what point do you say, I'm content, versus seeing a commercial, seeing an ad and going, you know what we need? You know, there's a big difference between need and want. But these two words just love hanging out together. There's a huge difference between need and want. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Cammy caught me hiding some money in the attic the other day. Yeah. And I said, babe, as I die, the last thing I'm going to do is grab this bag of cash. At least I have something in heaven. And she goes, two things. She goes, number one, you can't take it with you. And number two, you should store it in the basement. I think you're going a different direction. So, yeah. It was a rough, rough day. By the way, none of that conversation's real. None of it. None of it ever happened. But I just thought of it, so I said it. Okay. We brought nothing in this world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have, 
What are the things that need to make us content? You have food. You have clothing. Be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation. By the way, it says those who want to get rich fall. It doesn't say you have to, but it's a very slippery slope. Fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruins and destruction. Why is it a trap? Because probably the ethics that we need to live by aren't going to be what we live by if our only desire is to get money. Because if your only desire to get money, you will start believing another thing that isn't in the Bible, that the ends justify the means. No, they do not. Your character does. Our character, our principles, our precepts, our axioms in which we live by, those are what matters the most. And so, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Is a root, not the root, not the primary thing. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why have they pierced themselves? Number one, their eternal rewards are gone. Number two, they're now living the life and the repercussions of the life that they've chosen to step into. So when it comes to our possession obsession, there's one thing that we have to become practiced at, and that is this contentment. Being content with what we have, being content with what's been given to us, being content with what we're wearing, living. Because if not, if you have the mindset, I just need to keep up with the Joneses, good luck, because Jeff Bezos is still out there. I mean, just so you know, good luck because the next house will be bigger than yours. The next car will be faster than yours. The next boat will be longer than yours. The next, the next piece of clothes will be more up to date than yours. But we, when we come to the understanding that we need to have contentment with who we are and what we have, that is the number one tool that can be used against possession, obsession. Point number two that I'd like to give you, we need to make sure that we align our priorities. When it comes to aligning of priorities, I'm going to go old school prophet on you. Haggai 1, 5 through 10. Right now, if $10 was on the stage and I said, look it up in a paper Bible, how many people can find Haggai? Just so you know, I, it, it's a tough one. It's one of those minors. It's just keep going towards the, uh, the middle of the book. But Haggai says something very powerful. And he's prophesying to the children of Israel, trying to help, under, help them understand where they're at in life. And he says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. So let's do this. Let's live in that moment. All of us as the children of Israel, we can't seem to find contentment. All of us as the children of Israel, some things to be, seem to be going good, but other things in our society seem to be going bad. And all of a sudden, prophet shows up and he starts teaching all of us. And he says this, by the way, give careful thought to your way. So right now, let's do this. Let's give careful thought to who we are and where we're at. And he says, you have planted much and harvested little. Let's just see if any of us match up to this. How many feel like you work harder and harder to get less and less? How many would say there's times where you feel like you're spinning your wheels, but you don't quite seem to fruit of it? I'm thinking this is still applicable for today. He says, you eat, but never have enough. You drink, and you'll never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not worn. You earn wages only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. 
How many get done at the end of the month with all your work, all your paychecks, all your side jobs and hustles, and you look down and you wonder, where did the money go? Okay, so can I just say, we're all on the same page here from thousands of years ago. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thoughts to your way. Second time he's saying it. Because ready for this, if every month you work and work and work, every month you do and do and do, and every month it, you lose and lose and lose and only get frustrated, and next month going to try to do the same thing, expecting different results, that is the definition of insanity. So let's do this. Let's give some careful thoughts to our ways. Go up to the mountain and bring down the timber. Hang on one second. Okay, I have missed a part of the scriptures here that I've been waiting to hit. So let's go on to verse 8. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. So I was probably supposed to grab verse 4. So do you mind if I tell you a verse that I don't have on the PowerPoint right now? So, and uh, if someone wants to bring stuff, you know, just uh, don't trust me. Go read it for yourself. Okay? You have it? You have the thing about the, uh, the house with the panels? Yes. He came up here and said, yes, it's all right here. Well, I know it's right here, but it's not right here. I need it. I can read. <laughs> for those online, he said nothing. <laughs> uh, and so, so, let's go to verse 3. It says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is, t- it is a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins. And so what we see at the beginning of the prophet speaking, he's standing in a church that is falling apart. And he is speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, you all are living in, in paneled houses. Here's how we would say it today. You are living in fully furnished houses that has air conditioning, roof, refrigerator, and all the amenities that you want, including a pool and a hot tub. You're living in, but which by the way, there ain't nothing wrong with the pool and a hot tub. Can I get an amen on that? There ain't nothing better than the end of the night with your bride after a wedding night to go to a hot tub. Okay, so <laughs> clearly she's not here today, and I'm getting away with this. Temporarily. Temporarily. Thank you for that. So in verse 3, we first, and I apologize for not having that scripture to start the conversation here. But in verse 3, what we see the prophet saying is, hey guys, everyone's house is being taken care of except for God's. You're taking care of what you have prioritized. You take care of your living quarters. You take care of what you think is the most important. And you do this all day long. You eat, but you're never full. You drink, and you're never uh, content. You clothe yourself, but you're never warm. You work all all day long, and at the end of the month, your purse seems to have a hole in it. So now he comes and says, if this isn't the life that you want to live, in verse 7, give careful thoughts to all your ways. Now go up to the mountain, bring down timbers, and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and honor it. God is saying, you need to be busier building his kingdom than you are your kingdom. 
If you want to have purpose in life, because here's the fact of life, and I'm sorry to be such a downer and share this with you, there is a really good chance the vast majority, if not all of us, will die in a hundred years from now. No one's going to know us. No one builds monuments to the masses. There's very few people that go down into history. So instead of me trying to go down in history building my kingdom, I instead am going to build his kingdom, who has gone down in history. But we make our life that we are the God of it and we try to do everything we can to put us at the center of it. And if you do that, eat all you want, you're not going to be filled. Drink everything you can and won't satisfy you. Build every house and you'll never feel like it's a home. Wear anything, you'll never be warm. And at some point you have to, it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. But God comes and says, listen, if you want to consider something different, why don't you build my house first? You expected much, but see, it turned into little. What you brought home, I blew away. Wait, God, I did all this work and you took it from me? That's what a loving God does. Everything that uh, tries to subtract our time from him, everything that would take our affection away from him, he's okay that it erodes away from us. Because God isn't here to bring you sorrow. God's okay that if it blows away so you can find purpose. I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruins, Let's just, I'm going to pause here real quick. We're getting close on time, but I want you to hear this. I would ask you today, in today's society, do you think the house of God is more respected or less respected than 100 years ago? I have a question. Do you think the house of God is a beacon of light that society respects, or do you think we've eroded fundamental truths over the last, let's be honest, 10, 10 15 years? When it comes to the house of God being in ruins, do you know there's, oh, oh man, I shouldn't. No, no, because you're going to, th- everyone, the problem with today's society, everyone thinks I, it's political. I'm not trying to talk political. And so, okay, well, if you get mad, get mad at everybody else. Because I didn't want to say it, but I'm being forced to. So, I preach the hot tub. Come on. So next year, next year we are going to do a marriage series. And just so you know, I'm pretty sure Cammie will be involved in every week of that. So uh, uh, Mark Driscoll recently put out a clip where he started breaking down the different denominations. And if the number I'm remembering correctly is because of these five key denominations and over 16,000 churches, there's over 16,000 churches that no longer even preach that marriage is one man and one woman. At some point, we're eroding. And here's the thing. If, you, if a guy wants to marry a guy and a girl wants to marry a girl, okay. It's just not okay with our faith. Like, I don't, I'm not making up the rules. I'm just saying that I believe that there's a God that said, I made mankind. And by the way, in, in six days, like, and in order for you to live your best life, I'm going to give you an owner's manual. 
And this owner manual says, here's the best way to live. And I'm not trying to be judgmental, and I'm not trying to be open, and I'm not trying to be inclusive. I'm not, I'm not trying to do all that. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to actually just do what my God tells me to do. And instead of letting that erode, here's what I'd rather do. I'd rather raise the standard. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. I, we always hear that God of the Old Testament is a God of judgment. Jesus showed up and he said this, you heard murder say like this, I'm raising the standard. Every time I hear that people say, well, tithing is an Old Testament principle, my thing is, well, so if you're a New Testament believer, you should be giving more than 10% because Jesus raised the standard on everything. And so I'm not trying to be exclusive and I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings. I'm not trying to do that. Here's what I am trying to do. There is a life that you need to live and there's a manual that tells us the best way to do it and I'm just trying to share that, and I don't get to change the rules. And so, when I say to you, you expect much, but see, uh, but see, it turned into little. What you brought home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house, which remains in ruins, while each of us are busy with our own thing. All of us have let the standard of righteousness drop in our life, which means it has dropped in society, which now is reflected in the church. And we have to understand that we should align our priorities. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withdrew or withheld their dew and the earth from its cops. God is saying that there's blessings that he wants to pour out, but he doesn't have a storehouse to pour it in, into. And if you keep going, God, I want more. God, I need more. God, I have to know more. Here's what you should say. God, help me be the storehouse that you can pour into. Because God's not going to take his provisions and let it just be wasted. Or another way to say it, he's not going to continue to cast his pearls before swine. And I understand that that scripture has a different connotation, but it does, it does match up to what we're talking about today. So when it comes to your life, if you are having trouble with your finances, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. Number one, become content. Number two, put Jesus first. Put Jesus first, put his kingdom first, put his house first. And I am not going to go into the practical ways to do that because if the moment I do that, everyone's going to think, oh, he's just trying to get more money from the church. I'm not. I'm trying to get more for you. And when you understand that contentment, it starts with contentment in your heart and a proper, proper alignment of your priorities, then God looks and go, oh, there's someone that I can trust with more. And by the way, this isn't in the nav group notes, but if you're having a problem, here, go look up this parable. The giving of the talents, five, three, and one. And when the one did nothing, God actually took that talent and gave it to the one that already had 10. Why? Because he's looking for people that he can trust to give more to. So the next time you hear someone say, the Bible is the root of all evil, you can probably look at them. What I say? Oh, yeah, no. Let's fix that really quick. Yep, no. That's a clip we don't want out there. So, yeah. So the Bible is the answer to all solutions, or all, on it. Have you ever felt like a pilot coming in for a landing, and the, and the tires aren't going down, and the wind, and you're just about to crash it? Welcome to today's sermon. So, I'm going to focus on what I'm saying. The next time someone says to you, the root of all money. <laughs> damn, on it. Uh, 
We good? You guys with me? That was the big close. Heavenly Father, help us. I'm, not, I'm done. I'm done. I can feel it. And three of you want to talk to me about my honeymoon and wedding comments already. So let's just get to it. Let's get to it. Um, God, um, you are our purpose. You are our meaning. Your house. And, and God, when I say your house, I don't mean the four walls at 1205 Vandalia. I mean your kingdom. Your kingdom that's going to show up on Main Street because churches leave a building and get in the middle of community. We build your kingdom this day, God. We build your kingdoms around our kitchen tables. We build your kingdoms around the schools. We build your kingdoms around the water cooler. We build your kingdom this day. And any place, and God, I'm going to pray this for me, and if you want to join in, you can. God, any place in David's life where contentment isn't the lead, and materialism, and desire, and want creep up, God, I repent for that. And I say, I am content with everything that I have. I find solitude. And God, that doesn't mean that you can't put desires inside of me, but my cravings, my desires, my drive isn't because of stuff, it's because of our Savior. I pray for anyone who's been struggling with this. If you, on a monthly basis, get those bills and you don't find peace, I pray that help, I pray your next step comes alongside of you so that you can understand what true wealth is about. And it's a relationship with Jesus. It's in community with fellow believers. And it's putting Jesus Christ first. God, I thank you for godliness. I thank you for holiness. And that's the thing we pursue today. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. So here's what's... Since I didn't go into any practical today, if you're here today and you are just struggling with your finances and you would love to have a guide, you would love to have someone come alongside with you to give you some coaching on that, could I invite you just to go to our Next Step Boots? Next Step Boots, just put their name on a piece of paper. And all you can do is say, hey, pastor said there could be some help. If that's you, we will help find someone. If it's one of you, then we'll find someone to step in and side by side. And if it's a group of you, great. We're going to start a class. Like, but there's one way for you to get out of debt. And it's by you making the decision that you're done with this. And we would love to help partner, coach you, guide you anywhere along the line. If you're here today and you were a first time guest, can we do this? If you're a guest here today, we are absolutely so thrilled that you have stopped by to be with us. The ideal way for us to connect with you is for you to connect with us, so please stop by our Connecting Center, and they have a gift back there, and they just want to uh, help you get connected to church a little bit more. And for everybody else, may God bless you, may he keep you, may his face shine down upon you, and as you move from to this spot that you're sitting in, may you step into the kingdom assignment that God has for you, and everything that needs to be stripped away, or can we quote, blown away, let it be blown away today for you to find your kingdom rhythm. God bless. You're dismissed. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org 
download the NAV app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.